Hello, and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. I'm your host, Marcus, here to talk about yet another horror movie. So, I never have a good thought for what I want to watch. It's usually just I'm sitting around and something just comes to mind and I decide to watch it. So, this time around I had two ideas for movies because I recently got them on Blu-ray. So I was deciding between Ice Cream Man or Blood Beat. And so I opted for Bloodbeat. And I did so because I have more desire to watch Bloodbeat. I think I heard of it for the first time a couple years ago or something on the podcast called The Hysteria Continues. And they were talking about it and it sounded hilarious to me. And on IMDb, the description was also pretty hilarious. Basically referring to a plot point of the movie about someone being possessed by a samurai spirit and that was like what that sounds hilarious so I always wanted to watch it but for some reason just never ended up getting around to it so I decided to do that so um, before I get started talking about the movie more in depth I'm gonna play the trailer here it's a bit of a odd trailer maybe hard to understand a bit uh, But enjoy it, I guess. A ghost, a ghost, a devil, a devil, a poltergeist. Call it what you will, what you will. It lives, lives, breathes, breathes. You'll be paralyzed with fear, with fear as it kills, as it kills, as mutilates, mutilates. Okay, so that was the trailer for Bloodbeat. This is a 1983 film directed by Fabrice Zafiratos, and it is a film that is pretty unusual in my opinion. It is not, you know, just yet another XYZ horror film. Not quite as obvious as you might think, and I appreciate that. So the movie starts out with you sort of following this hunter as they're sort of slowly walking through the forest. And they shoot a deer, and they come back home. You're like, okay, fine. I thought that, you know, as some movies, this might be the killer, you know. They're getting, like, a sort of view of the killer before they start doing stuff. But no, it just seems to be some hunter. So he comes back to his, like, home and meets with his girlfriend, Kathy. And it starts out interestingly because, you know, initially I thought it just made an assumption they're married, but... The movie makes a point of telling you, no, they're not married, and she really doesn't want to get married for some reason. So her boyfriend is Gary, the hunter dude, and I guess they're all just into hunting. The rest of her family is because you see them come, they're coming to visit, and so this is the children of the mother, Kathy, Dolly, and Ted. The two of them are also hunters. They're cool with like seeing this dead deer just hung up with its guts strewn out, basically. Um, 
Unfortunately, Ted brought his girlfriend Sarah home, and she seems to be like, totally afraid of gore or just really hates hunting because she is super disturbed by the scene, wants nothing to do with it. Doesn't help that as you know, as soon as she meets the mother Kathy, it seems like she has another problem because the mom is like staring into her soul almost like something is going on something more than just a protective mother but also it seems that sarah despite being supposedly totally unrelated just some random girlfriend has some connection to this home or these people because she has like this flash of memory or something either way they go inside they're trying to get used to things um, the girlfriend, Sarah, is trying to talk to Ted like she feels really uncomfortable with his mother. And he's just trying to, like, have sex with her. And she, he will not take the hint when she's like, no, let's not do this. Because she feels like the mom is in the room or something somehow. It's just, like, mysterious and odd. But either way, they finally, you know, they stop. They don't have sex. Or, you know, I don't know, the next day or a later scene when the husband, or not the husband, the boyfriend, Gary... And Ted and Dolly and Sarah are all going out hunting. So the family folks, they're cool with it. They got their weapons. They're ready to kill. And Sarah is like, I don't like hunting. And it's like, oh, girl, why did you go? You, like, did you not know what they were doing? They got, like, their guns out. They put on their, like, camo. Come on, you knew they were going hunting. So why are you coming with them if you hate it? Either way, she's there fine and as they're about to hone in and shoot this deer, uh, she screams loudly. So obviously things get all messed up. They don't kill it. And she just goes, takes off running in the forest, which seems like a bad idea. Why would you do that? Like, especially because you're not the hunter. You're just some random college student. You don't know anything about this forest. You would get lost. You would get hurt. All kinds of things could happen to you that are bad. Well, I guess fortunately for Sarah, she doesn't get hurt, but she magically just happens to run into a dying man, and we don't know why he's dead. His, like, stomach is open, you know, so he ties in her arm. She's flipping out. They take the man away, but it's like, well, we don't think we shot him because he was in a totally different direction from where they were aiming at the deer. Either way, they decide it's a hunting accident, and they just sort of get on with their lives despite this super weird turn of events. So they get back home and Ted is talking to his mother because he like wants her to buy him a new fender for his car or something stupid. But she is like, uh, you know, there's something weird about Sarah. Like, I feel like I've seen her before and I don't know, you know, the spe she's not talking about the specifics of it. But she's basically warning Ted that something ain't right with this girl. So, like, be careful. And just after this, Kathy, who is a painter... This is a very key point of the movie. She's like this painter who does all kinds of interesting abstract artwork. Um, while she's in the middle of painting in her studio, her like hand just starts moving on its own. It's going out of control. There is some dramatic string music playing at this moment when she, you know, has this other hand start painting for her. You know, at this moment upstairs, Sarah, who is like traumatized from having a man die in her arms, is in bed trying to sleep. And then she like spontaneously wakes up and opens this chest in the room and there is like samurai armor and a samurai sword in there. So she like picks it up and cuts her finger on the sword. She's like, what? And so that would be weird enough on its own except that 
Ted and his mom come back up into the room and they're like, what are you talking about? There's no armor. There's no even a chest in this room. What are you talking about? And she looks at her finger and she's not cut either. So they're like, oh, it's just some sort of nightmare. But clearly something has happened because we see like sort of this mind view from Sarah where she is seeing their uh, this family's uncle who's like stranded because his car crashed and he gets killed by someone with a sword, a samurai sword, hello. And she sees this happening and it's kind of weird because she's like unconscious at the moment in bed but Sarah is like undulating in bed in a suggestive way. And so I was like, hmm, okay. And so we keep going. We were seeing this other sort of rural family, this husband and wife and their pet dog. You know, the samurai appears to be stalking them as well. Goes in, kills the wife first, then kills the husband. Fortunately, their pet dog escapes. But anyway, at this moment, there's more of that weird sexual possession going on with Sarah. And it's pretty clear at that point, yes, the deaths correlate with her, like, having an orgasm for a reason I don't understand. But it's happening. The mom, Kathy, is also having visions at this time. And she, like, envisions some of the death happening. And, you know, this is finally once the man runs out of the house reaches their house magically, you know, and just fateful, I don't know, one of their neighbors, but he comes to the door when he gets basically arrowed through. So basically now Kathy knows, Gary knows, Dolly and Ted are all aware that stuff is going crazy because this man just showed up at their house dead and their mom is like having visions and in a trance. And at this point, the whole house sort of seems like it's having an earthquake because everything starts shaking. It's very poltergeist-like after the shaking occurs because then stuff starts flying around the house. So, like, the boyfriend Gary ends up getting smacked with stuff like Nesquik and utensils because he's in the kitchen and everything's flying at him. But fortunately, he's not dead at that point. He just got smacked around by kitchen gear. While this is just going all bonkers, the siblings are running around and screaming in the house. They get caught in a closet. They can't get out. And stuff starts getting really spooky. There's some really cool, like, electric music at this time, too. Like, electro. Um, And there's, like, this pulsing heartbeat happening in the soundtrack. And it was very cool. Surprisingly um, not hilarious moment. I felt, like, in it. Even though it is pretty silly, you know, what's actually going on. And, like, there's this really weird blue effect on the samurai and the samurai sword that doesn't look very, you know, realistic or anything. But it was still a pretty cool scene. Especially because the mother, Kathy, like, is doing some sort of protective thing as the camera's, like, spinning around her. And she's just sort of standing there with her arms out. And then, like, this glow starts emanating from Kathy's hands. And this sort of her power is able to temporarily stop the samurai's power so it's not going to kill the kids in the closet. So everything calms down. The samurai's out of the picture for the moment. You know, Kathy's taking care of Dolly and and her uh, son. And Ted, I didn't really get this, and I still don't, but the mother says something, and Ted is like, 
Mama, you don't mean. And he says it multiple times, but he never says what he thinks she means. And I didn't get it either. So I don't know what the revelation was supposed to be there. I am sorry. I would look at the IMDb forums, but they're gone now. So who can say what the, re you know, revelation was supposed to be? Ted is like, wow, I almost got, like, killed. And so he goes into the room with Sarah, his girlfriend, and they have sex. Because, you know, when you're in a near-death situation, I guess that's what you want to do, right? Um, though I don't know why nobody considered it weird that Sarah did not wake up through all this craziness that was going on in the house. But either way, they have sex. And while they're doing it, there was yet another scene of these, like, random guys just camping and playing their harmonica and one by one they are killed and to go with this you know this is all happening while Sarah's having sex so she has like three climaxes one for each death of the harmonica boys and I'm like okay yeah that just 100% clear that's what's happening I I never by the end of the movie understood why samurai possession and killing made her come but I you know I'm not the director I could turn on the director commentary and find out probably or maybe he wouldn't talk about it i don't know first there is a fight between kathy and her daughter dolly they're like fighting with their brains they both have the mental power thing but in the end i guess the mother wins i don't know what the point of that scene was but anyway they all leave basically except for kathy who's still in the house and sarah who's still in bed like for most of this movie <laughs> but anyway so most of the family members are out and then the samurai starts stalking them again they're freaking out gary manages to actually attack the samurai with um, an axe and they see just samurai armor they don't see like a body they just see samurai armor like and i think the sword just there on the ground it's clear that whatever's hunting them is not you know natural being it's not something like just a person in the armor it's some sort of possessed armor so they go back home with the armor kathy's like burn it it's evil ted's you know i don't think he has any opinion at all dolly's also like yes burn it do what mom says gary though is like we gotta take it to the police which i guess i understand it on one hand but on the other what are you gonna tell them there was just a disembodied samurai armor that was killing people i don't know that doesn't sound very believable he's gonna do something with it but then the daughter's like give me a chocolate bar so gary's like okay and they leave the armor alone because you know what is more important a candy bar or evil possessed armor obviously candy we're finally at the end point here where he walks in on sarah using her mental powers to set a picture of i think herself on fire in the room and then at this point he becomes attacked by her powers as well. He doesn't die, fortunately. He just gets slammed into a door. But at this point, it's clear Sarah is not fighting anything. She has succumbed fully to whatever samurai possession or history she has. And she, and so the samurai is sort of real. It's not disembodied anymore. It's a real, presumably, Sarah in the armor, but super powered, of course. And she, so she's, you know, Sarah's gone full samurai now. And there's like clips of World War II going on as Sarah Samurai confronts Kathy, the mom. And I don't know, again, what the intent was here. Like, was one of them 
a Japanese American and one was a Japanese citizen living in Japan. I don't know what the conflict is between these two, but it clearly looks like it goes beyond them because it's just, you know, a college-age girl and some mother woman. Neither of them were samurai, but there's some sort of connection to all that somehow, that history of war and Sarah Samurai is trying to get revenge. They face off in this process. Gary gets killed. The mom gets killed too. I don't know. I guess her mental powers are just not strong enough anymore or at, against this enemy. But fortunately, Dolly has powers and she's very well aware of them. Ted does not seem aware of his powers, but he is still able to harness them in this like necessary moment. So the siblings hold hands, emanate that power, and kill the samurai. All is well and good, except for the fact that like everyone is dead. <laughs> everyone else. I would like to mention that the samurai has a very odd voice. It is not menacing in the least. I don't know what they were intending with that voice. The movie ends. They have survived this uh, years-old samurai curse. So I don't know if this movie lived up to what I expected. It certainly was what they said it was, which is a movie about a woman being possessed by a samurai spirit. And he definitely had some funny moments. I thought it was more seriously played than I would have expected it to be. And in a way that is actually fairly believable and easy to get involved in. I wasn't like laughing my head off at this movie. I thought it was all right. Not amazing, but not bad. I do enjoy the theme of because these people are all hunters, that the hunters became the hunted. I really like that theme. But other than that, I don't know that this is sort of the kind of movie that I would show to my friends, really, because it's not super standout, despite the very strange concept behind it. I did like it, though. The soundtrack was pretty cool. The electric soundtrack, and then I like when they put in more sort of chorus-type music, it was not just what I expected and not as enthralling as I had made it up to be in my head. Still a fun movie, though. So those are my thoughts on Blood Beat and... Now I just wanted to take a moment to mention something, which I guess I probably should have done at the top of this show, uh, but I guess I'll do that for the next recording. Basically, I wanted to let people know like the status of this podcast or the schedule, and I'm thinking I released the first three episodes on a weekly basis because I kind of just wanted to get some stuff in the can, just get that ready so people had things to listen to when I started like publicizing the podcast. But normally, I'm assuming it's going to be every other week an episode is posted, um, probably still on Mondays, mainly because I don't think I could hold to a once-a-week schedule. But every other week should be fine for me. And secondly, I wanted people to know, like, that they can contact me in some way or know who I am. So <laughs> uh, I didn't. I don't know why I didn't do that already, but whatever. So this podcast has a Twitter called Them Witches Pod. T H E M W I T C H E S P O D. But I don't know that that is super important of a Twitter feed because, you know, if you have your own podcast app that you're using to listen to this, it's very easy to know when new episodes are coming out. 
And I'm not using it for too much right now, except for just sort of posting pictures of movies I'm watching at some point on occasion. But if you would really like to like get in contact with me specifically, I have a Twitter as well at MarcusBoy, spelled M-A-R-C-U-S-B-O-I. And that is my personal Twitter account. And I have not really been super active on Twitter these like past few years, but that's not to say I can't be again. If anyone is listening and wants to chat about horror movies or offer suggestions of movies that you think I may enjoy, then absolutely feel free. I am always looking for new stuff to watch. Even though my wish list of movies is massive, I, you know, it's nearly a thousand, but I'm always on the hunt for more. So thank you for listening, and I hope to see you again soon.